Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Well, hello, hello, everyone. What's going on, Dev? Nothing much. What's going on with you, Ty? I am very excited, happy, um, <laughs> because uh, last night I was able to finally watch Black Panther. Um, and so there's a lot, you know, there's a lot on my mind about it and a lot that we're going to talk about today. But um, I was very happy I saw it and I'm just happy for the culture at this point in time. Yeah, sure. it's been crazy like to see. Like everything that's been happening on social media, just see like Black Panther has consumed my weekend. Like I went on Thursday uh, to have like the, you know, pre, I guess, opening viewing or whatnot. Uh, Mm -hmm. John and I, we dressed up in our best traditional attire. We set it out. Uh, (laughs) And it was just, it was a really cool experience to see the movie was packed. Like they had multiple viewings at the same time and they were Mm -hmm. all packed. And we live in a small predominantly white town so it's it's, and it's been cool just to see like the reactions and just everybody excited and I'm so proud of people because they they have been very careful about spoilers on Facebook and that's that's rare yeah yeah they have been a lot of people been careful even some of the articles I've been reading have been like you know no spoilers here or spoiler alert letting us know so you know Um, and, and just for those of you listening to this episode of the podcast there will be spoilers um so you may not want to listen to this before (laughs) you watch the film uh because we don't want to spoil anything for you uh because i you know i i can't i just want to talk about everything and so i'm not going to try to keep myself in the box and be careful not spoiling stuff yes yes so yeah there will (laughs) be spoilers this is for uh, I feel like this conversation is for the people who are ready to get down into the nitty gritty. I have seen a lot of really interesting conversations online. Uh, some like really, you know, like, yeah, Wakanda forever. Some of them like Wakanda, we got to do better. So it's just kind of like we want to tackle that. And because of that, yeah. it will be full of spoilers. So. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm just excited. And also, happy birthday to you, Dad. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. I actually, so my weekend started with Black Panther and it was kind of like I reached the climax today. I got treated to a spa day. So I got my nails done. Ooh, I got a pedicure. Okay. I got a massage. And so it was actually a group of us. It was a surprise to me, but it was a group. John treated me and like some friends to uh, massages, manicures and pedicures. And he pretty much kind of like rented out the place. We had like desserts and mimosas. So okay, I'll try not to say anything too crazy because I'm still feeling, feeling the mimosas. So. <laughs> Getting treated like that Wakandan royalty. Okay. It's yes, a good birthday weekend. Yes. Yes. Definitely treated like royalty. Yeah. That's what's up. Well, happy birthday to you. I know it feels good to be turning 25. <laughs> yes, 25, honey. 25. No, just joking. I'm 32 and proud. 32 oh, and proud. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. 
Uh, so, but all right, let's get let's get into this. So much to talk about. Oh my god, I don't even know where to start. Um, yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to start is just knowing, like, what did you expect going into the movies? Like, what were your expectations for this movie? And I ask that because some of the opinions, some of the like, oh, mm-hmm. this is so great, or oh, this could have been so much better. It seems to be based around what people went into the movie expecting. So I kind of want to know what did you expect from Black Panther? Okay, well, uh, I'll preface this by saying that um, one, I do dibble and dabble in reading comic books every now and then. Um, and so naturally, I I started reading some of Black Panther comic books a couple years ago. Didn't read all of them, you know. I dibble and dabble in some, mainly with DC Comics, uh, and and Black Panthers and Marvel. So I had a good background idea of the Black Panther narrative, what's it about, what it entails, why it was created. Uh, for me though, going in, I was just excited. Um, my expectations was, especially from the early on reviews, what everybody was saying about it, who watched it early before and the critics, um, I knew it was, and it's just especially because of the director, the cast, I'm like, this movie is just is only going to be awesome. Uh, and I think it was gonna be a real, real hard, challenge to fail uh, if they were trying to do that so um i went in there with high expectations uh my expectations were met um i i really wasn't expecting the kind of social commentary uh that was a part of the the storyline which i'm sure we'll talk about it um that was a pleasant surprise um and I think that's why I'm also more excited to talk about it now because it's going with the general theme of the comic book. Um, it has that in there for sure. And I'll talk about that in a little bit too. Um, but I like how they kind of made it contemporary and modernized it um, into many things that, you know, we can all relate to for sure what's going on today. Yeah. So I was, I was impressed and I was definitely more than satisfied with what I saw. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I don't read comic books, but I live with someone who loves comic books. Um, And as someone who has seen just about every Marvel movie, like superhero movie, I kind of expected what I generally would expect going to see a Marvel movie, but I was excited about it because it was going to be full of black people, which isn't Mm -hmm. typical for a Marvel movie. So for me, it was an excitement around seeing a superhero movie like seriously so like I did watch Blank Man like growing up and it was funny and it was hilarious but like seeing it like a very seriously produced and done superhero movie so I I went in thinking of it as a superhero movie as like a a fun moment in like black culture black girl magic all of these things so I expected magic on my screen I did Mm -hmm. not see it um it's I didn't go in thinking that like, oh, this is a movie that is going to address all the social ills in in black Mm -hmm. America or that this Mm -hmm. is uh, a moment for, you know, Black Lives Matter or something like that or in the movement for black lives. Like I saw this as it is a moment in Hollywood where we Mm -hmm. are really making a difference that as a blockbuster that literally there were like two major white characters, a film that is just melanin, just just concentrated. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. that as like a glorious moment in Hollywood 
more than I saw it as like a, oh, this is a this is a moment for the movement for black lives. So I'll just say that's what I thought of it as. And because of that, it did live up to the hype, in my opinion. It was a really good Mm -hmm. superhero movie. And like you said, I thought that there were a lot of really good and important themes that speak to our current political moment that I'm just mm-hmm. like, yeah, that that was good. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I went in expecting. Um, and I think it lived up to the hype, but that's, that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I definitely, I did not, for this particular film was not really looking for them to address the social commentary. I knew it could be a chance, especially with Coogley involved in the work he's done in the past with things like Fruitvale Station, of course, Creed, et cetera, where pretty much all of his work does have it in there. So um, when you look at you know him developing it, I'm not surprised that it was in there, but I wasn't expecting it to be. Like you said, I think I was expecting to be a good moment of super, black superheroes taken seriously, you know, not for comedic nature, uh, um, you know, that has been a major staple within the comic book era. And it's finally and I really just what I think I really enjoyed seeing the most. It's just the kids, you know, mm-hmm. um, everywhere on social media, just, you know, kids just staring little, 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 little black boys and girls mm-hmm. able to look at that poster and see themselves represented and taken seriously and are like bad, like just bad characters. You know what I mean? Something to take seriously. Yeah. Like, it was just fun to watch, man. And, and I'm glad that the, the, the next generation got to experience that for sure. Thinking about that, I saw like an Instagram, like, picture or something and it was kind of like like the description was like it was a group of kids in front of the poster and they were like fighting about like this one is me no I'm this one I'm this one and that mm-hmm. is really cool because I used to have those fights as a child too no I'm that one yeah we, yeah, we all did <laughs> so that we used to do it Power Rangers Ninja Turtle all that kind of stuff I'm man. the pink one <laughs> yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so I would say the reason, like I said, the reason I wanted to ask that is because I've been seeing a lot of debate online about the movie and some of the themes mm-hmm. and, you know, the the bright spots and the shortcomings. And it seems that some people who may not have had familiarity with the comic book or, you know, may not just have any familiarity with Marvel movies, like it just might not be their thing. Um, I think because it was hyped up as like a black moment and it is a black moment especially when we think Mm -hmm. about it in Hollywood it was hyped up as a black moment and they thought of it as a moment for the movement for black lives and less of a moment for like uh, representation in Hollywood and and, and things of that nature so I feel like some people Mm. may have left disappointed um because of that. And we can talk about that a little bit later and and some of the critiques that came up. But I just kind of wanted to put that Mm -hmm. out there and also say that there's multiple ways to view this movie. These are just our opinions. Uh, So it's just kind of like doesn't necessarily mean we're right. You know, people come to this with different experiences. So um, I just Mm kind of wanted Mm -hmm. to see because I'm like, oh, I thought it lived up to the hype. I don't know what you talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen. Um, yeah, preparing for this conversation, looking at articles, kind of get a trying to get to check the temperament of what's going on, what people are saying. Yeah, there are different people. Um, there are different perspectives being brought, and I think it's about what would you expect, what were you expecting. I think some people 
a part of it, what I'm saying is that some people who are expecting more of a political theme message seem to be a little bit more disappointed. Um, but I think it was just important that it was even in there in the first place. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, all right. So anything you want to talk about first before, you know, we start getting into some of the juicy stuff about the film? Um, well, I mean, since we're on the topic of like what people were were thinking and opinions, do you want to, I guess, discuss some of these controversial opinions and, and that can lead to a, like a deeper conversation of what we want? Okay. Okay, so I scoured the internet to find some controversial opinions about the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask them and I'm going to ask you, Ty, to tell me what you think. Okay. And I'm going to start <laughs> light. Okay. The first one. Michael B. Jordan didn't look as good as everyone kept saying he did. And Boku from the <laughs> Mountain was the best eye candy of the movie. Any any opinions on that, Ty? Um, you know, no opinions for me. Uh, because, you know, I was at the movie with my wife and, you know, I just couldn't take my eyes off her with that regard. Uh, to yeah. <laughs> you know, that is she's so the best sweet. eye candy in a the movie theater for me. So, okay, um, that that was well played. <laughs> well played. I will say that Mboku from the mountain, he did kind of steal the show a little bit in terms of I don't think people were expecting that. He was a very funny and charismatic uh character on screen. So mm-hmm, I will say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but he I agree with was. you. I had my funny. eye candy by my side. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh next next opinion. Okay. All of the Facebook and Instagram pics of people dressing up in front of the movie theater was corny. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, I just enjoy seeing personally friends, family, a lot of people on my social networks in their particular garbs, whether they're African garbs or just in Black Panther costumes. Um, and this is something that's common with just in the Marvel universe, universe, right? Um, mm-hmm, anytime mm-hmm. people have movies, the superhero movies, people are dressed up as Iron Man or dressed up as Captain America. Or are you talking about Star Wars? Dressed up as Stormtroopers or Jedis. Um, so it's just a part of the movie going experience. I think it was the first time people saw it with Afrocentric themes. Um, mm-hmm, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, it was maybe a little alarming or surprising to folk because it was a new form of style. Uh, but, you know, I don't think it was corny at all. It's just part of the culture of movie going experiences. And it's the first time I think black folks and African folks and whomever was able to just indulge in something that they really enjoy and are passionate about. Yeah, I completely agree. I've definitely seen all of these people dressing up for Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, cosplay and all that stuff. I was mm-hmm. the one I texted John a couple weeks ago because we, we bought our tickets early and I was like, uh, are we gonna dress up for this like I, I i was potentially gonna like like do cosplay like dress up like i was a part of the like dormelage or something he was like <laughs> oh no nah, we we gonna wear we gonna wear uh what we got in the closet because my husband is cameroonian so we do have some traditional attire and he's like we're gonna wear what we have in the closet okay. and we did and people like people white people black people whatever they were like oh that that is so awesome. That was so good. And I mean, as far as the corny thing, I've already said, I, you know, I can be corny a little bit. So I, that doesn't bother me. I had a good time and I got a lot of compliments. And I thought it was beautiful to see all of the, like just to see the excitement. I thought it was beautiful. And like you said, it's just a matter of like, this was a very, uh, 
this was a movie where dressing up for the movie just so happened to be something where you could don, you know, African, uh, traditional African garb or African theme mm-hmm. attire. And it's, it's just been awesome. So no, I don't agree with that opinion. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I just think, um, it was a celebration, you know, I yes. think that's what a it's celebration. Like. It's a celebration. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, third one, mm-hmm. uh, Chadwick was overshadowed in his own movie. Michael B. Jordan stole the show. Woo-wee. This one now. Man, okay. Um, Killmonger. Boy, yeah. oh boy. Um, I just... I, I, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, um, you know, and a lot was... I think the hype was about T'Challa uh, and, and, and Chadwick's role, um, but I think what Killmonger... I wouldn't even say that... MBJ stole the show, but I think it's largely about what Killmonger represented, um, mm-hmm. which caused a lot of people, from what I've been seeing, resonate a little bit more with Killmonger mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. with T'Challa. And I think there's a lot to that. And we can talk about that, too, in a little bit. But um, as far as acting wise, as far as just pure acting and looking at it from that perspective, um, I, th- I think they both did a phenomenal job. Um, you know, they both were great actors. And so I just think I don't think it's the acting that really stole a show, but I think it's the the representation of Killmonger, which kind of overshadowed T'Challa's, which kind of makes sense in a lot of ways. And, and no good. And if you think about a lot of the great films of the past, like superhero, Star Wars, whatever, you know, it's really the the villains that make it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you always have Luke Skywalker's, but it's Darth Vader that you know stands out. And nobody's really judging like, oh, you know, Luke Skywalker was up, you know, overshadowed by Darth Vader. It's like, no, really good villain characters make great make. movies. And, mm-hmm. and so I think the fact that he was able to be a great villain, but also have some complexities in there um, just made it stand out a little bit more for sure. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the overshadowed um like thoughts about maybe that Chadwick was overshadowed might be from the fact that I thought I connected with so many different characters that were portrayed in that movie. Like, you know, there were some spaces like with uh, Ramonda or Angela Bassett character. I did want to see her more. But for the most part, I can like think of very memorable moments in just about every major character. And I appreciated them getting that screen time because it was just Mm kind of like it was hard for me to say who I liked the most because they all like brought something interesting um, to the movie. Yeah. So I don't think he was overshadowed. I think that the way the movie was produced, it made you fall in love with so many different characters because of, you know, how they presented themselves. So yeah. that's what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Everybody I, I got screen time. Yeah, yeah, it really, everybody really did. Oh man, I just, I, just, I don't know. I'm still on high about that film. <laughs> okay, so I got I think two more and these okay. get a little more a little bit more heavy. All right. Um African Americans were stereotyped and vilified. They had African Americans in the hood shooting hoops with milk crates, while Africans were royalty and heroes. I didn't feel proud or empowered after walking out. There should have been a wider range of African American characters outside of Killmonger who some believe were was portrayed as a thug. Hmm. <sighs> okay. Um, 
See this 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 question or uh, this this comment uh, this perspective, you know, has a lot of uh, nuance to it. But I think it's just about how we look at it. Um, one, the film is a, to me a celebration or uh, illustration of overall blackness. Um, I think to an extent they did a good job at demonstrating some, and this is what we've seen, and I'm sure we'll talk about for sure in a little bit of different ideologies within the black community, right? Mm-hmm. Mainly most of these ideologies do stem from how people are grow and develop and mature in their upbringings. Um, mm-hmm. And so in essence, you know, it looks at two types of, you know, uh, 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 you know maybe Africans, right? And African-Americans mm-hmm. because Wakanda is located in Africa. And then, of course, even though Killmonger's originally, you know, well, part of Wakanda, uh, but he was pretty much raised in the United States. So he had more of a, you know, black American experience, African-American experience. And so um, I think it it illustrates. But I think the fact is that, you know, he went he was in. I can't really I don't know if I can really agree with that, because Killmonger also was not just a thug. He went to MIT. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the mil- he was in the military and in special ops where you have to not just be great physically, but your intellect has to be very high to be in special operations units and stuff like that. And to go MIT period, so I think it kind of shows the uh, background of what many young African American boys th- do grow up with. But he also overcame that right in his mm-hmm. narrative and his story, which I think is being missed too. And so I think it can also play a different role where if you're a young black kid coming from a place like Oakland and you see this guy like Killmonger, even though, you know, him being the villain can be questionable. Uh, but you see that he also rose out of that. Right. And went to school, MIT, went to the military or what have you, and was, you know, very in- intelligent mm-hmm. and, and came up. So it, it depends on the perspective of it. But um, I don't know if I fully can support that stance. I don't know how you feel about it. So for me, I think I mean, I think one, this kind of goes back to the, did you know anything about the comic before you came in? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, to potentially say that there should have been more characters, you know, out African-American characters outside of Killmonger is just kind of like, to what extent should films remain, um, I guess, uh, in line with, you know, a particular book or a comic? Like, how much should they deviate, one? Yeah. Two, I, I it's kind of like I wonder does that question or that critique come from a white gaze? Because I don't know very many African Americans who grew up like Killmonger who see him as a thug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I personally did not come from a, you know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Um, yeah. I have no embarrassment about depictions of the hood. And considering the fact that Ryan Coogler is from Oakland, I, I think he knows a little bit about his own neighborhood. And he probably has zero qualms about depicting it in a manner that it was. And so for me, is it like, do you just want to make sure white people also see middle class blacks? I mean, middle class blacks or upper upper income blacks aren't even the catalyst for 
changing, you know, the Wakanda's people's minds about, you know, moving away from their isolationist strategies. It was Mm -hmm. the background. It was Killmonger's background. And even when we think about Nakia seeing people struggling, it was those struggles that served as a catalyst for saying, like, why are we here in Wakanda? With all of this wealth, with all of these resources to actually create change, and we are letting our fellow men and women struggle, men, women, Mm -hmm. and other, if I want to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just kind of like, if you're potentially using the white gauge, white gaze, then yeah, maybe you do see him as a thug. But like you said, Mm -hmm. I saw him as somebody who overcame some struggles to become someone who was highly educated and found his way back home to create change. Now, you know, whether we agree with his strategy or not, and that's that goes to the next controversial opinion, you know, that's Mm -hmm. one thing. But I have no problem with depictions of the hood. I don't feel like... Oakland in 1992 or Killmonger represents every black person. And if you think that they were trying to represent all black people with Killmonger, you know, I guess that's your opinion, but I, I did not. Um, and if you have a problem with the hood being portrayed in movies and, oh, you know, we also need to show middle class or upper income blacks, it's kind of like, I guess, ask yourself where that comes from, because I, I wasn't offended. You know, I guess some mm-hmm. people were though. And I kind of think there was just some kind of hidden messaging in there because in the comic books, I believe that Killmonger, when he went to the States, was especially during that time in the 60s, he was in Harlem. He wasn't in Oakland. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. for the movie, he put them in Oakland, where Oakland was also the birthplace of the Black Panther Party as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Where many of them had a similar upbringing like Killmonger did and then became educated and then used their education to make this kind of changes or whatever mm-hmm. um, in a different style compared to the predecessors and their parents and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think there was some intent with Coogley doing that too, using Oakland and in that kind of style and that trajectory of Killmonger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was just good intent behind that. Yeah. For sure. Speaking of intent and kind of going along, this is the last controversial opinion. Um, mm-hmm. The movie tried to promote this peaceful integration message subliminally telling black people that revolting or standing up against white people isn't the answer. <sighs> okay. Um, movie tried to promote peaceful integration message subliminally telling black people revolting or standing up against white people isn't the answer. Because <sighs> they said that like the person that wanted to revolt, like he ultimately ended up dead. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um... I can see that. I can see why that person had that perspective. And because it's a superhero movie, I think a part of it being a superhero movie is, you know, Killmonger's perspective is seen as being a villain type perspective in a way. Um, and I think that, yeah, I, I think that there are two again, and, and I, I can't wait till we talk about this a little more in detail, but I did the two different ideologies were, were present and then one just prevailed over another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think T'Challa and Killmonger had t- different ideas of what they wanted to do. Killmonger's intention was definitely, I want to empower my people, right? I want to combat the oppressor, where T'Challa's really didn't even have that at all. Um, mm-hmm. He was just like kind of adopting the old philosophy of just, hey, protecting our people and that's it. 
where people like Nakia and others were like, no, and, and even Killmonger were like, no, there's people out there that still need our help. Um, and so I don't know if T'Challa's perspective was even trying to, you know, ever if he was ever trying to even overthrow or revolt or stand up against anyone. He just like, I'm protecting mine while Killmonger was actually trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And so because Killmonger lost, uh, I think I can see the impression of what they think that uh, the the uh, message of the movie might be. Um, but I don't think I don't think that's the case. And I and the thing about it is that this is just the first and there's going to be more Black Panther movies and um, there will be more uh, conversation about it. especially because again I know many people do not read the comics and this is one of the first stories and arcs of the comics the one dressed in Killmonger but Black Panther also they sent him he came to America and there were um uh, sh- uh, stories where he went against one of the bigger arc, big, arc, biggest arcs is when he went against the KKK mm. um, and there's another one when he there's another arc when he went into South Africa and fought an apartheid type villain um, and so it's a part of the Black Panther narrative uh, but I don't think it was just a part of this particular conversation I think they're going to show as the as because the child is just opening his eyes to this new perspective mm-hmm. and I think as he continues to open his eyes he's going to see more and then want to do more so I wouldn't I, w- I would tell people not to get too hung up on what they've seen at the end of this movie it's just like him kind of you know getting woke for the first time yeah. and so you can only expect so much yeah you know what i can see what you're saying um yeah he was not woke at first but it was interesting because he was starting to change his mind a little bit with like like those early conversations with nakia and i feel like mm-hmm. killmonger ser- served as a further you know kind of catalyst to push him in a new direction that maybe we should not isolate ourselves but the the question of like like i said i haven't read the comics and it's hard for me to know where he's going besides like building that you know community center in oakland it's hard for me to know whether he's pushing integration you know whether people are going to be moving to wakanda that i don't know and i mean i'm not going to extrapolate beyond the story and i don't think other people should either unless they've read the comics but uh for me it was just kind of like do we do this through war and through violence How do we do this? And I've kind of told you before that, like, I don't think that there is one way to be woke. And one thing I refuse to do is play the woke Olympics Mm -hmm. with people. So if Mm -hmm. your strategy is you're radical, you want to protest, you want to make noise, that's all good. We can't expect everybody to be the same way. Now, hopefully T'Challa can, you know, come up with some strategies that, you know, don't just mimic. And and that was his thing. He did not want to mimic white imperialists by intervening in what other people were doing. And maybe he took it a little bit too far in terms of allowing like the suffering of his people. But it's just kind of like, mm, I don't I don't know, because violence beget violence. So I, I don't I don't know what else we would expect to potentially happen if I am going to wage war with the world. I, I, I don't know what mm-hmm. else is going to happen, but but violence, even if we let that radical message out. And so mm, I, I can't like you said, I can see where it was just kind of like, oh, let's, you know, let's do this peacefully. You know, let's find a different way. But I'm generally one of those people like let's find a different way. What's crazy is I took one of those Black Panther or I took two of those Black Panther like who are you? 
things. And I got Nakia mm-hmm. and Killmonger. And I don't think mm-hmm. that those are like opposite. They both want the same thing. They just want it in different ways or they have different approaches yeah. to doing it. And so I'm like, Killmonger is my dark side. Cause yeah, sometimes I do want to rage against the machine, but Nakia is that strategic. How do I do this in a way that doesn't damage my people, my community? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can give you uh, another, you know, glimpse into the future. With I don't know if it's going to happen, but I can tell you what happened in the comic books with Nakia, if you kind of want to know. Yeah. Because I that makes know. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So um, the thing about, well, one, I would say this, even in an article I read that's similar talking about Black Panther and kind of criticizing Killmonger's perspective and saying when Killmonger dies, it's like, oh, that per that ideology is dying with him and that a T'Challa type ideology is what they're saying. No, the thing about the comics is that uh, Killmonger dies about two, three times and he's always reincarnated. He comes back. People Mm -hmm. figure out ways, magic, and they bring him back. And so um, I don't know if he's going to for sure stay dead and the ideology is going to stay dead. I don't know if they're going to use him as still as a villain or they're going to try to use him to join forces. Who knows? But I would say that also in the comic book at one point, and I don't know, a lot of people may not know this, um, I know Nakia is like the love interest and it is one of the earlier love interests of um, T'Challa in the beginning, right? But eventually he actually winds up marrying Storm for a little bit. They have a little stint together uh, from (laughs) X-Men, which may be interesting because Disney did buy Fox's Marvel rights and so they do have X-Men. So they might uh, well, they probably will. We'll see and bite and have X Men in the future Avengers series, etc. And so they may play off that storm T'Challa romance. But at one point, anyway, Nakia, when they kind of started separating, T'Challa had different love interests. Nakia got jealous at one point um, and tried to like attack or did something toward one of his love interests. T'Challa winds up banning her, right? And then she winds up getting tortured, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Killmonger comes helps her, rehabilitates her, and then they join forces. And then she becomes known as this villain known as Malice, but she works hand in hand and is cool with Killmonger. And they work together Mm. to kind of have this ideology. So I think they set the roots of that kind of happening because you can see the resemblance and similarities between Killmonger and, like you said, Nakia's perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. They go about different ways of doing it, but as far as helping the oppressed and resisting, it's a part of that arc and a part of that narrative. Who knows where the, the movies are taken in the future? But from the comics, they did play on that, and it can be a possibility. So it makes sense why you would have both Killmonger and Nakia um, because of those kind of philosophies and ideologies that you may be, you know, I think many of us are geared towards. I've seen a, a, a profile on Instagram with one guy, and already in his profile, he said he's, it just said 80% Killmonger, 20% T'Challa. <laughs> and I feel like that's what how a lot of people may be feeling. Um, it's like, wow. You know, this person is supposed to be the villain, but I think a lot of people resonate with him more. And and the question is, too, and we could talk about that is, is it just do you think black Americans resonate with him more versus maybe blacks from other countries like countries in Africa? But they have more of a T'Challa perspective. Do you think it's a, just because of where we are in our perspectives or do you think there may be differences? Mm, so would do you think black Americans resonate more with Killmonger and mm-hmm. Um, you know what? That's the question. And, you know, maybe we can have a future episode about like the Mm -hmm. African, I don't want to say verses, but African and African-American, like, you know, different, you know, black identities. Uh, But I feel like Killmonger's perspective came from a place of deep 
hurt, mm-hmm. deep loss, deep um, just anger about the injustices that he had experienced. And I feel like when people experience that hurt, that loss, the injustice, it is a catalyst that will, you know, you either succumb to that, you mm-hmm. use it as a springboard for like positive change, or you channel that into uh, things that can be destructive. And mm. I think that that character probably does more so resonate with, I would say, African-Americans and second generation Africans. Because I was talking to John. He's second generation. Mm-hmm. He's the only person in his family born here. And he kind of talked about how, you know, how he'll have like family from home in Cameroon that might say like, oh, you know, you don't you don't speak the language. And, you know, not understanding that like he gets certain things, despite the fact that he grew up here and he lives here. And so it's like this mm-hmm. idea of like this lost connection from home. So mm-hmm. maybe not experiencing the anger, but experiencing like the loss. And, you know, I don't want to say lack of acceptance, but of like a you, although you are of us there's a disconnect. So I think that there's a, that's where African Americans and probably second generation Africans or second generation immigrants can probably um, relate to Killmonger a little bit more. Um, Because I think when Mm -hmm. you come from a place of privilege, which T'Challa did, when you come up from Mm -hmm. a place of privilege, it, where we come from shapes how we view the world and what we think is possible. Mm -hmm. And so we can't lose sight of the fact, even the way we interpret this movie, we are bringing our own experiences to our interpretations of this movie. And so that's why, yeah, I do feel like people, you know, some people with certain backgrounds would probably more so gravitate toward Killmonger. No lie. I was like, you know, can't y'all work it out? That yeah. I mean, that was my feeling at the end. Yeah. I did not want him to die. Yeah. I was like, please tell me he's going to carry him to Shuri's lab and fix him up just like he did the white guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was like, nah, nah, I, I'd rather be dead than in bondage. So, oh, you know. man, that's oh, man. He said, I was like, whoo. Brother, <laughs> she, he just, I was like, he just he just finished himself off at he said that. I was like, man, this is too real for me right now. Because I was so really hoping real. that like, you know, because I mean, T'Challa said like, listen, man, we could bring you back. You know, we could feel we could heal you. And yeah. Killmonger went no parts because he felt that they were still in bondage, even though they had the resources not to be. Um, but yeah, really quickly, just to go back and I, I won't spend too much time on it because I think you're right. This would be a good conversation for us to have with People, um, you know, this whole conversation of Africans versus African-Americans, not really versus, but Africans and African-Americans and having this conversation of what are the differences. And from my experience, having these conversations, even when we're at Purdue. Oh, with, yeah. Um, were you there that time? We had that that kind of yeah, roundtable discussion. Yes, I was there. Yeah. OK, <laughs> so we had that. And then <laughs> I also, um, you know, a lot of my brothers, all pretty much all of their very close friends that we grew up with. Excuse me our second generation Africans as well. And we've had some really passionate debates about perspectives. Um, and I feel like a lot of times um, getting from their from their narratives, from the ones I've talked to and like my brother's friends, et cetera, they kind of live in this world where their parents 
you know, came from Africa, mostly from the, the ones I know from Ghana and Nigeria. Um, and they came here because of the privilege that, you know, they feel like America gives a lot of people. Um, and then so, of course, they have their kids live up to these expectations and say, hey, this is what you're doing. But a lot of times they would say that their parents would say black Americans are lazy or we don't take advantage of what we have. Um, and that we're just complaining a lot for no reason, because look at this one, look at that one, look what my children do. And it's interesting because I could see some of that second generation, some adopt that same mentality when we had these conversations. And then some mm-hmm. are like, mm, no, they're, hey, mom and dad, there's difference. And I've seen within a couple of those families that there became a, a, dr- a drastic rift between them and their parents as well uh, mm-hmm. because they didn't really adopt that that same kind of framework because they have friends that are African-Americans and stuff like that. And they see maybe some other things as well. Um, but I think it's a, a interesting conversation to be had um, because it is this kind of weird, interesting dynamic between the two. Um, and for me, even when I would have these conversations, I think I would somewhat take most offense to when I would hear people, um, you know, whether they are from Africa and coming over and trying to somewhat diminish or belittle the experiences that I would express that goes on here and say, oh, just get over mm-hmm. it. Oh, this. And I would just I would always just kind of rebut and say, if I went to like Nigeria, I'm not from Nigeria. I know don't know much about it. Right. Um, but if I went to Nigeria to live and I'm coming to your country and telling you and the people that live there, like what you're telling me from your lived experience in your history isn't real. Right. Or it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. I feel like you would take offense to that. Right. Um, and so that's one of the biggest issues I have is kind of not having that empathy. Right. Being able to really just listen. And even though you may have this perception of America coming from another country, uh, coming in, I think you should listen to what the people who have been here for generations are experiencing and, and say, and then we can start from there. Uh, but I think it's definitely a conversation we need to have. Yeah. So thinking about that, uh, <laughs> that round table. Round table, yes. <laughs> I think, I think people, like you said, empathy and realizing that relative, like relative privilege, relative disadvantage. So I remember there being a comment, like when we were talking about our experiences of being disadvantaged, it was just kind of like it was diminished because it was like you weren't walking around without shoes. And it's just kind of like, but if I live in a country that is supposed to be this rich land of opportunity and mm-hmm. I don't have books or, you know, my shoes are run down or whatever, because there are plenty of kids walking around with run down shoes or no shoes at all. And so it's just kind of like mm-hmm. that those things still exist in a land that is as rich as the United States. And, yeah. you know, even thinking about uh, what was that town with the water? Um, Flint, Michigan. Yeah. Thinking about mm-hmm. Flint, like we have children that are being poisoned. So it's just kind of like you cannot look at the the best and most privileged and kind of generalize that to everybody's experience. And so I think it's just a lack of like understanding. And I would say that's what I appreciated about T'Challa. Like he, his battle throughout this whole movie was essentially paying for the sins of his forefathers. So Mm. you even thinking about like him and Mboku and he was like, you know, y'all have, we haven't had a king come here in centuries. And, you know, thinking about Killmonger, like, you know, y'all left us behind and seeing how angry T'Challa was with his father. Like, how could we leave him? How could we do this? And then him saying to Mboku, well, like, I'm not my daddy. Like, that's not me. And Mm -hmm. so it made me think of, we have to get out of the mindset where we 
are not empathizing with other people and we're just going with the narratives that we have always been given. We got to stop that. Mm. We got to listen. And then we have to use what we learn from other people to say, how can I become a part of a larger movement to solve issues that are important to my people, but maybe important to other people as well? Because Mm -hmm. diminishing Mm -hmm. anybody's struggle is not going to get you anywhere. It's, it's, It's probably going to get you cussed out. Or just go end <laughs> yeah. up in some bad blood. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But we def- we'll, we'll, we'll uh, definitely work hard. And if anybody, if our listeners want to have this conversation and know who would be great for us to talk to, hit us up because we definitely want to explore that a lot more. Uh, but I do want to go back to a point you made too uh, about the movie that resonated with me too. Uh, looking at you know T'Chaka and T'Challa and Killmonger and his father and. One thing that I noticed in particular um, is, especially when it came to T'Chaka and T'Challa, is I kind of saw that as um, almost a representation of how we have viewed black leadership ourselves in the mm-hmm. past. How mm-hmm. we, of course, memorial- memorialize them and we we praise them for a lot of their advantages. Of course, we talk about like the people like Martin Luther Kings, etc. But then we are very careful of not to really point out the weaknesses or the mistakes they made. Mm-hmm. And so T'Chaka was a representation of that to me because although he was, again, of course, that's his father, but he was praised as his great king and for what he did. But he made some drastic mistakes that had that led to a killmonger, right? That led to this kind of this conflict that we've seen. And, it, and T'Challa didn't realize it until later. So it's like. The importance of, though, highlighting those weaknesses or those issues or those problems will make us better for the next generation instead of just trying to swipe them under the rug. Right. And Mm -hmm. also being okay with challenging some of the ideologies of our predecessors. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was T'Challa. This was his father. So it's probably even harder to do where, you know, we idolize people like that, Martin Luther King, et cetera. But I think it's okay to be like, listen, he did some great things and he meant well, but there are probably some things that he did not do well that could have been done better. What were they so that we don't do the same thing or how can we grow and do more for our people, right? Um, so I think that was mm-hmm. an interesting part of the conversation too, uh, from that just that dialogue of what it kind of represented. Yeah, kind of thinking on that, it kind of leads me to like one other thing that I thought was like really uh, big and important in that movie. Because you talked about like how we show like reverence to leaders of the past. And, you know, to be honest, we're still using like some of their, you know, their, some of their strategies, you know, because it's tradition. This is what we do. It it worked mm-hmm. or hell, maybe it didn't work. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like one major theme was like the theme of like holding on to tradition, but not but like moving progressing in our mindset like how can we stay true to tradition but also progress in our mindset because I do think you can hold on to tradition but you don't have to be stuck in the past and because like keeping Wakanda an isolated nation or not helping others that's being stuck Mm -hmm. in the past but there is this serious concern of like how do we hold on to something we cherish so much Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like I do think, you know, as we move forward, we have to wrestle with, like you said, what did we do right? What could we have done better? You know, what were some of the mistakes in the past? How can we do it different? But also like show reverence for our culture, for our tradition and not allow other people to like come in. Because honestly, when you think about 
the end of the movie and like the progression of T'Challa and like moving forward to like, okay, we have to, I think he said, uh, we have to build bridges instead of barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and looking at that transition, it was him realizing that, okay, we can hold on to tradition, but if we did kill Munger's way, not only would we potentially be, uh, sacrificing our tradition and our culture, but we would just be doing something that is so out of our character. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like he, his approach was trying to find a way to balance tradition with change. Um, mm-hmm. and I do think tradition and change can, can happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, a case in point, a good example of that too is a time and time again, even when I'm in Newark, even a couple of weeks ago when I was on panel for my school. Um, for this play and one of the conversations the questions always come up how do we or where do we find uh, our new Martin Luther King's or Malcolm Le- Malcolm X's Angela Davis whomever right how can we don't have them like we did in the past and and they, and they attribute saying this is one of the weaknesses or issues with something like the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Where we just, where they said it's not just like this one face that's just doing everything. And um, I just feel like, I always tell them like, you know what, I, I think there's a major strength to that. I think the reason why you think it's a weakness is because we're looking about how things were done in the past, right? But mm-hmm. we can see also that when things were done that way in the past, it was easy for the oppressor to take them out because once they took mm-hmm. them out, then what happens to the movement? Right. It falls. It dissipates. Mm-hmm. People lose the energy. Mm-hmm. So when there's not that one or two or three targeted faces, then it's harder to end and stop the movement. So I'm mm-hmm. like, stop looking at that as a weakness. You look at that as a major strength where you can make these moves and nobody has to even worry about super, you know, being singled out as the only one. Right. And everybody can take yeah. part of it, part in it the way they choose. They want to. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of the fact that there have been like People in multiple states who have tried to sue the Black Lives Matter movement and mm-hmm. like it was struck down as kind of like, this is not a person. This is not an entity. This exactly. is a movement. Mm-hmm. You can't sue a movement. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but also thinking about like past movements, like one, the beauty about progress and change is that like when we think about past movements, there was some very problematic things in terms of the way uh women were represented, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, in the movement and not, and like to just see like how we are progressing, like it's, it's taken some change. But like, when you think about the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, you have like trans women at the forefront, you have black women, you know, at the uh, cis black women at the forefront. So it's, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I do think we are making progress in good ways. I think we have a lot more to go, but I don't think we need this one singular leader because that speaks to us saying that we have one singular strategy for creating change. Mm-hmm. And we all know or what we we're, we're always saying, like, you know, don't generalize us as black people. We come to these struggles and these fights with so many different ideas about how to create change. What we should be doing is trying to figure out how we can fund and provide resources to all of these people who want to handle it through healthcare, mm-hmm. who want to handle it through education, who want to handle it through economics, who want to handle it through, you know, fighting in the streets. Because if we think that we can do this 
one way and only one way, we're going to continue to be lost. Mm-hmm. So. And I think that's ex- exactly speaks to what you said earlier, how you just wanted Killmonger and T'Challa to work together. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that really is a good, um, you know, just representation of what I think most people wanted. I wanted that too. You know, my wife wanted that too. It was like, yo, just work together. Think what y'all can do together, you know? Um, <laughs> but it's just like this, the mentality of we only have room for one type of way, right? Um, but when we are oppressed, we are oppressed in every type of way. Um, yes. And so in order to fight that oppression to be successful, we need soldiers and warriors from different types, different ways of thought hitting it from multiple angles and then it's harder for the oppressor to attack because oh they're using just one strategy so all we got to do is figure out how to dismantle this one strategy it's over but if we got 20 different strategies and we hit it from different angles they don't what can they do you know it's a harder fight for them to keep us down yes it's a much it's a much more difficult fight i i agree um Mm -hmm. One thing I do want to say, kind of speaking about um, one thing I just mentioned, I did love the representation of women and like how powerful they were. Like, you know, we had these male figures. They were surrounded by strong women, women who had their like own mind and who served like to push, you know, the king, you know, in a, in a different way. So I appreciated mm-hmm. the representation of uh, and the women. They were bad, man. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I just like, it's just like stuff you don't get to see. You just know it's like, oh man, it was good. I enjoyed it. All, all the characters. And I would say another insight into the comic book era because T'Challa's sister, Shuri, you know, you saw when they were, um, you know, doing the ritual and they were asking who wanted to fight or whatever. And then Shuri mm-hmm. kind of raised her hand and then yeah. made a joke and didn't really fight. In the comic book, she actually continuously challenges her brother because <laughs> she wants to be Black Panther. <laughs> so they so they literally fight. Um, and T'Challa generally wins. But there is there was a few moments where T'Challa had gotten banged up at one point in the comic books for a while. And Shuri became the Black Panther. Um, and she held it down mm. for a minute. Um, so there's even possibility for that in the future as well to not just see a T'Challa as uh, the Black Panther, but also his sister take that role too, uh, which would also be freaking awesome. But I even still appreciated her role of, and I kind of think of this like when I hear things like Black Girls Code and stuff like that. I mean, she was really yes. the lead engineer, mm-hmm. engineer, like yeah. handling all the tech, all everything out. Like that was dope too. You know, it was awesome, man. Just watching that. Yeah. And she was, she was so funny. She was so cool and you know that's somebody like that like she's a different type of Disney princess since Disney is over this and so that's it's really cool to see people promoting her like that I also think it's cool mm-hmm. that she's she's going to be in the next uh movie with the Black Panther so like she's going to be is it Infinity Wars what is it mm-hmm. Infinity What's War yep. yeah she's going to be in that Am I correct in that? Oh, awesome. Awesome. I'm pretty sure she is. She's in the comic book. She's usually always like with her brother and helping him on his adventures and and stuff like that. So I think it's cool that, you know, now, you know, that's that's really cool to add that into the Avengers mm-hmm, series. Because mm-hmm. when she rolls her hand, I thought she was, oh, they about to fight, they about to do it. And then she kind of choked. <laughs> I was, oh, they probably, they probably going to say that later for future ones because she going to get in that ring because that's, that's common. <laughs> she get in there yeah. and fight T'Challa and they have a little fun, fun, you know, sibling rivalry going on, um, which is cool. Uh, so, question, I want to talk about Wakanda for a little bit because um, I had this uh, debate. We, me, and, me and my wife were kind of going back and forth trying to see when we talk about Wakanda as a whole, what do you think it represents, right? Um, is it something that, in a sense, what we could have been if it wasn't for 
colonization? Is it something we can be? Right. In that regard. And then um, another part of the conversation, too, we had is who if there if we had a Wakanda today, right, a group of people, who would we say in the African diaspora all around the world is most the most closely most closely resembles Wakanda with that kind of privilege and resources? So I guess the first part, yeah, I'm asking you is, um, you know, Wakanda, is it what we could have been or is it what we can be? Hmm. I feel like so I kind of have this conversation too Mm -hmm. Uh, Wakanda I feel like represents so we think about Africa it is such a resource rich continent Um, but it is those resources are drained by outsiders so I see Wakanda as yes what many different African countries could be if they were shielded from mm-hmm. people scavenging their resources if they were in control of you know all of their resources what it could be um yeah. and john kind of made that point um as well my husband who is cameroonian um and his father has a school in cameroon and you know is trying to like um build a Wakanda, you know, there, but it's just kind of like when you have people on the outside who come, how do you come in from the outside and claim my resources? You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't get yeah. it. And I do think it is what many countries could be if, if, you know, they could get a handle or control back over those resources. You know, do I see a Wakanda in the United States? Mm, yeah, mm, no, no, no. But I did, no. But there are many no, like African, um, or I won't say African, Black-run countries, mm-hmm. and they have been kept impoverished through colonialism. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that is you know what's draining you know people. So. Or draining these countries. So I, I see it as like a possibility, but it's just kind of like, how do we, I, yeah, how, how do we overcome, you know, yeah, these outside influences? And that, that's the fear of Wakanda. Cause right now, I mean, I, like I said, I haven't read the comic book. So I'm like, Lord, they about to tell these people about their resources <laughs> and these mofos gonna come in and probably try to wage wars like on them. Like, I, I don't know, but I'm like afraid for Wakanda right mm-hmm. now. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, you can't tell, you can't tell them what you got. Just like that. Just like the, uh, the other, uh, antagonist that was working with uh, Killmonger, you know, he built him, you know, a little that special arm, and you know, he was trying to, you know, steal what was the name, vibranium. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they, they will come in and they will take your stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think you know Wakanda is definitely uh, both. You know, I think what we could have been. Um, you know, if resources were protected. Or if we didn't, you know, it's funny, like, oh, and she was like, sure. He was like, oh, don't scare me, colonizer. Boy, I was rolling. I thought oh, that, that was, like, was I thought so that was so funny. funny. <laughs> oh, I was laughing that so hard. That was one of the best lines. Yes, yeah. that was so funny. Um, <clears throat> but I think, yeah, it's just a representation. But I think, you know, a part of this conversation is I took away from it. And when I had this conversation with Kristen is like, what can, because I think I was along the lines 
and Kristen was along more along your lines and I after our conversation I definitely saw like moved on to what both you and Kristen were saying was like yeah I was like you know what maybe maybe uh, America can be you know black Americans can represent Wakanda you know we got resources and we got things and Kristen was just like mm, I don't think so babe I'm like nah you know <laughs> I think we are like you know we could maybe it's just a part of the conversation we're just only looking at our struggles and we're not branching you know open up the doors of conversation of like how can we get other people in and she's like mm, nah uh, she was like, you know, <laughs> there are, you know, other countries out there in Africa and elsewhere that I think are pretty, you know, doing pretty well, like Kenya, et cetera, that have a lot of, you know, control of their resources and are not as bad as, you know, what we see here in America. And even looking at some articles, most of that, most of the articles do support, you know, you and, and, and Kristen's perspective. Right? I saw one quote, uh, it was from a girl who was from Africa. I'm not sure where, but she was like, you know, I didn't know a thing about African-Americans being slaves when I was growing up because she was raised on African education out there. And she said, uh, you know, I thought everyone had maids and drivers like I did. I'm like, okay, well, clearly, you know, there's a big difference, <laughs> you know, from her perspective. Yeah. I mean, she is coming from a background. And then when looking into, it, I mean, people do have a lot of to can own their own land and have their own businesses and stuff like that in many countries and 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 communities out in Africa. So I'm like, yeah, okay, um, I probably it's part of my own ignorance where I'm sleeping a little bit on what's out there, uh, but also trying to put too much like, oh, we just live into that American perspective, like, oh, we just got so much. But on the flip, we we probably I don't think we guess looking at the Wakanda, we may not be the closest to Wakanda compared to to, to other nations or black people are populated at. I was about to say that was one of the other things about the movie that I like, because one, you know, I think I, I haven't been to Africa, but I do know that the depiction of Africa and like a lot of other black, you know, con- well, that's on the black continent, but <laughs> black countries yeah. in general, you know, are are they're depicted as like impoverished mm-hmm. as like, you know, people, uh, you know, only you know, only people, you know, that live in villages and stuff. And of course, you know, there are people that live in villages, but there are developed, you know, nations. There are built, you know what I'm saying? So it's just kind of like, there's, I think there's a lot of like ignorance around Africa because some people say Africa as, as if it is a country and mm-hmm. not a continent with like a bunch of different nations, you know, with a bunch of different, you know, people and languages and, and things of that nature. So, that's one of the things I liked how there were like different, you know, different ethnic groups, even in Wakanda to show like there's yeah. so, there's such diversity in Africa mm-hmm. and like you can be Nigerian, but you can also be Yoruba and you can also be, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's kind of like people just don't understand that and they see it as like this monolithic thing. And so it's just kind of like, I do think there can be a Wakanda in Africa and there are plenty of nations that are advanced and developed. And the fact that people don't know that, uh, and that's probably why it was so easy for outsiders to believe that Wakanda was, you know, this impoverished nation. Like, how can you help us? You know, oh, it's easy man. to believe that because, hell, even if they weren't an impoverished nation, like how many people going to actually do the homework? Yeah. Hell, weren't there some people that actually thought Wakanda was a real country? Yeah. Like, wasn't there like a, a, a trend or something like that where like they tricked the president or something? Oh, there was, like, I, there was, they were, there was a tweet that went viral where somebody was like, I, they were pretty much saying I, they want a reporter to ask uh, oh, the pre- yeah. President Trump <laughs> about our relations with Wakanda. <laughs> 
Oh, well, that nobody? would be so funny because you know that that man would answer and try to. <laughs> he would answer, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. So much is just a lot of ignorance about uh, Africa as a continent and and the people mm-hmm. um, that are there. Uh, so yeah. You know, they definitely uh, did a good job. And so, you know, there's a couple more things I want to talk about, too. Uh, One is when it comes to, well, I guess I'll talk about this one first, is having like a T'Challa, T'Chaka, all of them, their initials, like Wakanda first mentality. I mean, we all understand Killmonger's perspective, too. But is that perspective of, hey, we putting our people first? We only caring about our people, and if it don't mess with us, we don't care, right? Is 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 that wrong, or you know what? Maybe the strengths and limitations of that perspective too. Okay, because I was thinking about this, because like, like you said, I saw a theme like the isolationism versus uh, kind of like interventionist thing. That's a debate we're having in the U.S. right now, mm-hmm. um, and. Do I see anything wrong with a country wanting to ensure that their people are good before they go trying to help other people? No, because mm-hmm. I've asked that myself. How are you going to send all this aid to blah, blah, blah? And, you know, I remember it was after Katrina. Like, how are you going to send all this aid to somebody else? And we got people in New Orleans, like, suffering. They're still mm-hmm. ain't home. So I do understand, like, can we take care of home? But I don't buy that rhetoric when you saying, let's put America or dang, <laughs> I done stopped talking. I done stopped talking about uh, Wakanda. <laughs> My bad. Uh, let me go back to country Wakanda. <laughs> I don't buy that when. So the thing, the reason why I could buy it with Wakanda and uh, T'Challa is they were looking after their people. You know what I'm saying? Like, but beyond like not bringing, I can't, I can't remember that character's name. The one that like caused the explosion and and stole some vibranium. Like besides that, I can't think of very many gripes that people, what was his name? Claw. Yeah. Claw. Claw. Mm -hmm. I can't think of very many gripes that Wakanda people had with their nation. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Seemed like people were cool, but you can't say, I want to put my country first and not intervene in other people's stuff when you got so many people in your country suffering. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to put your country first, put them first. Let's see. Don't be talking about sending people some freaking welfare boxes. No, you know what I'm saying? You're not really interested in putting your country first. So that's my thing. Yeah. Take care of your people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, take care of you because, like I said, I'm gonna take care of my family before I go trying to like. I if my family isn't strong, if my foundation isn't strong, how can I help anybody else? So I do understand that, but you you can't do that if you if it's all talk. So yeah, yeah no, I agree. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think anything is wrong with uh, what kind of first mentality um, and even trying to translate that to here in the States uh, with the, you know, just black folk period. Um, I think that is almost, I think it is a necessity to succeed. Um, I see here, like I'm living, I currently live in a Jewish community, Jewish owned complex, Jewish everything. And, you know, when I first moved here, I mean, Kristen was like, always asked me, why am I in such awe? Um, And I'm like, 
I'm just, I mean, they have their own schools, right? The kids walk across the street to their own schools. They have all their own shops around here in the strip full of just their shops they own, banks, et cetera, own parks, right? Um, the system they have here as far as like how they own the buildings, but they, they rent it out to young Jewish couples who are having their first and second ch- ch- children where they don't have to worry about much. And then usually once they have their third child, they help them move into a home. Like they have such a system here where they protect their own, they resource their own, and it's and it's they're thriving, you know. Um, and I'm like, dang, why can't we just do that as the black community? Like, I would love to see this, you know, just our own community. We got a system like this where we got our own schools, we got our own shops, everything in close proximity, walking distance, parks, everything. Um, and this is and this is just a part of how a lot of people, especially in this particular community I'm living, how they thrive, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, it, I don't, and it's not to the sense where they're super exclu- exclusive because, you know, I'm living here. You know, it was like, oh, yeah, you're black. We can't let you live here. But um, but you see how they operate within their own kind of informal social networks where they advantage each other. Um, and so it, it, I think it's a, it's a part it is necessary. But I also think the um, limitation, I think what Wakanda had, and this kind of getting me to my next point, is when you only have a just, you know, you're only focused on your, your folk. Um, it kind of it may not you you can have I think we can have a strong if we begin to and I think a lot of discussion has this has been happening in, in academia with the African diaspora and especially in a world that is becoming more globalized um, and so if we begin to globalize our resistance in a way too I think that can have some profound effects where yeah we definitely got to focus on what goes here in the states in our states in our country what have you um, but if we can begin to tap into other resources and political regimes and stuff like that in other countries where we may be less reliant to rely on our, we may be, be able to be less reliant on our government for certain things right if we build our own connections and networks uh, in that kind of way who knows what can happen um, so I, th- I think there's a part of uh, a part of that interesting part of that conversation too, to be had. Um, yeah, uh, that um, you just said something that made me. So it's kind of like you thinking about like globalizing the struggle, and I I I don't know if it was a I don't know it was a civil rights related quote, but it was just kind of like a str- like we have to like move to a point where we understand other people's struggles as our own. That is not the quote. I can't think of it. So I'm not even going to try yeah, I know to you're quote saying. it verbatim. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of like, yeah. So we have to, if we can't see beyond our own struggles, like, yeah. So like somebody else's oppression can eventually become my oppression. So I do think that we can like globalize the struggle. So focus on our own, but don't think we can't be we don't have to be one dimensional in our mm-hmm. our fight towards so we can fight racism we can fight sexism and colorism and you know all of these things at the same time even if it isn't necessarily our struggle um mm-hmm. so yeah i think it's all of this conversation is just making me see like it's about empathy seeing beyond um seeing beyond our our immediate circumstances and being open to helping others. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and and next week we will have Ash Cash on, so you guys want to check that out because we do have these kind of conversations as far as finances are concerned, as far as far as the black community, how can we begin to uh, create our own and what strategies and practical advice he gives to really building up our financial strength as a community and investing in each other to help us grow. For sure. Um, last thing I want to talk about, 
and this is uh, I don't remember the exact quote, uh, but it was something along the lines when T'Challa and they were talking about Killmonger and T'Challa was just like, you know, uh, we just can't ignore Killmonger or whatever, uh, because this is like a monster that we created. Right. We're like mm-hmm. we're responsible for this. Um, and I mean, how do you think that can play out in today's society when we talk about the black community specifically? Right. Uh, how Killmonger was operating and stuff like that. And, and T'Challa felt like he's responsible for that. Um, do you think we see evidence of that at all t- today? Wait, say that Say that one more time. So Killmonger, how T'Challa saying we're responsible for mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. like Killmonger, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think mm-hmm. we see or do you think there are examples of that like in today's time or, or in the past or whatever? Within, are people you know, taking accountability? Yeah, I'm not just even accountability of create situation where we're breeding environments within our own communities who oh, create killmongers right or people who are not that killmonger was a bad person as far as what he did he's a product of how he was mm-hmm. raised but or do we take it, the essence is that t'challa saying we have to take responsibility for him for what yeah i one i would say just to start because I, I made a note of that you know going back to the sins of our fathers i appreciated t'challa's uh, willingness to say that this is something, although he was not directly a part of it, he was mm-hmm. willing to say this is something that we created. And so one, it made me think about the fact that like when we when we hear about racism um, and like just racial oppression that has like lasted for centuries, you know, one, you know, comeback is generally, um, well, I didn't do that, you know that I, that was my ancestors or that was my whatever. Yeah. And it's just kind of like T'Challa, his willingness to take accountability, which is like, damn, that's kind of what we need right now. People to say like, yeah, I understand that I wasn't, I wasn't the one who directly did it, but it is my responsibility because my community, my family, my company, because there are companies who participated, you know, in this racial oppression, like when we're talking about like slavery by another name. And it's just kind of like, we need people to take accountability for the current outcomes. And whether mm-hmm. I see things, you know, I, I right now can't think of like a very specific example of like mm-hmm. us creating this. I... I, I, it's, mm, it's cause I, I see a lot of issues within the black community that I feel like we as black people could, uh, maybe get a better handle on, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like improving future outcomes, like, um, kind of, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to think of one specific thing. If you have something in mind, it might be it might jog something. Well, well, yeah. I mean, when I thought about it, when I when I when I was listening, to it, I'm like, okay, what? Are, because even how we talked about earlier, how people are saying have an issue with what what they think Killmar- Killmonger kind of represents, right? This thug and how he was being raised in Oakland in that kind of environment. And so a lot of this conversation does get brought back to how we portray, you know, our inner city youth in a lot of ways. Um, and then so. On one essence, it's like we see, say, things like places like Chicago, the one that gets just overly uh, sensationalized in the media. Um, uh, but but I think, you know, how gun violence, et cetera, or poverty, crime, whatever it is. Right. It's like, OK, we see what's going on. We see what a lot of these young kids are doing. And it's like, can we or can we or should the community take some responsibility for that? And I think one 
prime example was just kind of what happened after uh, civil rights era. Uh, Civil Rights Act was passed and and kind of black flight, right? This consequence of we we fought, we won. We had the resources in our community and then those who had it up and left, right? Um, To go to white communities or wherever their money was taking them. And we left those behind with nothing, Mm, right? And I, I think that when kind of looking at it like that, I think we should like, yeah, there's of course systemic issues and and oppressive issues at, at stake that cause for the sustainability of the oppression in these communities, but I think when we had the opportunity to stay within there even after those rights was passed and provide more resources, we left right the the black yeah. elite black intelligence we left yeah. and we left people yeah. like Killmonger there yeah. with mm-hmm. nothing and then you see that rage develop right like dang y'all left us. You know, mm-hmm. you, you live in, in a suburban town and got your nice house and you can come back and you can give us some money to help us or give us some resources. But you just worrying about your own. Right. You Whether you, you and your family, or you and your community. And so we out here struggling and fighting. And so now we come in now Killmonger, like I'm coming here to show you how it's supposed to do and bring what this take your riches, almost like a Robin Hood story. Right. Take your riches and, and your resources and give it back to mm-hmm. those people who need it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel like as a community, we we can take a little bit of responsibility. And as far as how we can take responsibilities for how we are maybe breeding people like this Killmonger mentality or perspectives, right, of just feeling left behind um, mm-hmm. in some ways. Mm-hmm. Actually, so one resource that we can post for this episode that and I, I'm t- in total agreement with you is uh, William Julius Wilson's The Truly Disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. talks about how, you know, the inner cities uh, and um, what you know some people call the black underclass it was a lot of factors that contributed to it and like you said one of them was black flight you know uh, and one of the things that really held the black community together in like the 40s, 50s, 60s was that you had the school teacher in the neighborhood. You had the pastor and his wife in the neighborhood. You had the doctor in the neighborhood. Like you had all mm-hmm. of these people. So, you know, a child might be interacting with it, you know, people of different educational backgrounds and different social, uh, social uh, economic backgrounds. And today, you know, there there are people um, who have no frame of reference for certain things because they have no exposure to it. And, yeah. you know, we're not going to put everything on the back uh, backs of blacks. But I, I agree mm-hmm. that is yeah. that is one of the things. And it kind of like you said, like speaking to like the Jewish community that you live in, it's kind of like you said, like, OK, we we got ours and we're going to continue to do our thing versus, you know, even if we do want to move out, like we got ours, but we are m- making sure that this community um, maintains the resources it needs um, uh-huh. to just make it sustainable. And yeah. 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 So I, I think a part I of it was agree with that. Yeah, and I think when thinking about like the Jewish community stuff, I think the mentality, I think when everything first happened with the civil rights, it was like, all right, now how can we get out of here? Versus I think people in the Jewish community, it's like, how can we bring more resources to us? Like, mm-hmm. what do we need? How do we get it here? How do we control it? How do it cater to our population and demographic? So I think it's just two different perspectives. Like, okay, let's maybe we need to stop saying let's up and run and now let's bring what we need to us, right? Yeah. And figure out the way we can control it and we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, the larger part of the conversation too is, 
what what made me think about it too was kind of like Killmonger states that kind of like you have all the resources, right? Or you've won or you have this and what do you do with it? And I just feel like kind of loosely related, but it had me think to all the times in our, I guess, black history, right? Where we have gotten major resources or success and then we never adequately prepare for the blowback afterwards. Right? <laughs> I mean, we talk about, okay, slavery ended, great, black reconstruction, and then boom, Jim Crow comes up, segregation, yeah. right? Yeah. And and then, and so, okay, we fight that, civil rights, we get Civil Rights Act passed, right? Okay, and then we start to see somewhat of a resurgence, Black Panther Party, and then boom, law and order politics, crack cocaine in the communities, right? Then we do that even, oh, we win, Obama mm-hmm. comes, here we go, we got Trump. <laughs> And so it's like, I think our issue with the trend is that when we get what we want, we take our foot off the pedal and we don't realize that the oppressors are really mad Mm -hmm. and they're working triple, quadruple time to counteract the the success Mm -hmm. we made. And Mm -hmm. so it's like we have to start thinking when we get the success, now it's time for us to work triple and quadruple time to make sure that it stays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's just a trend that I've noticed. It's just loosely from the film, but, you know, whatever. And that's one of the things. So I have a professor, uh, Professor Larry Bobo, um, who studies uh, racial um, inequality and racial hierarchies um, in the United States. And like, you know, one thing he's talked about, like, you know, there are some people that say, oh, we haven't made any progress at all. And then there are some people that say like, oh, we've reached post-racial America. He's like, oh, both of those perspectives are, you know, not nuanced enough. Um, and that like throughout history, there are ebbs and flows. You know, there's the progress and then we're hit with reactionary politics. And at this current moment, mm-hmm. we are in a state where reactionary um, right-wing conservative politics, they're winning over, over what we thought was, uh, you know, post, or I never thought it, but what some people thought was post-racial yeah. America. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's just preparing. Cause like, yes, you know, there's going to be a post-Trump moment where we make progress. And like you said, can't lose sight of the fact that every moment in history where there has been progress has been followed by um, uh, backlash, what some people call white mm-hmm, backlash. Mm-hmm. And so we're in, we're in a state of backlash right now and we got to deal with it because we, yes, weren't, we, we weren't prepared. We we did not prepare at all. We took our foot off that pedal. We like, oh, we good. And I can understand. A part of it is I can understand, right? You fight, you fight so much, and then finally, when you get a major victory, you're like, oh, let's just bask and enjoy yes, it for a little Obama. bit. And it's like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, we're good. Let's just li- love this and be happy. And then Trump comes. So now I'm like, dang. So in my mind, I'm like, next time we get this victory, when we get it, I'm like, all right, it's time to double time, double down T. Let's do this uh, because I want to make sure that after that time frame is ends or whatever it is that we're still mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's tough. to I understand the mindset of why you want to take your foot off that pedal. You want to get a little vacation like, ah. But it's not doing us what we want, ultimately, not serving, giving us that service we like. I I agree. Um, And so thinking about that, thinking about moving forward, mm -hmm. uh, I actually saw that people were creating like because this has been a movement. Like we have gotten so many people into the movie theaters. Like, how can we use this, you know, Wakanda forever fever to like create actual change in the real world? So I, I did hear that there's like a Wakanda like voter you know, registration thing. I think you can text Wakanda or something to like a special number and it can like get you registered. So like 
Honey, we need to be Wakanda forever at these midterm polls in 2018, November. (laughs) It needs to be. We need to be. I even heard an interesting perspective, too, when it comes to finances. Somebody was like, because Disney is creating this, and of course they're making money off of this, is that one, uh, black folks should begin to buy stock in Disney. if they can, uh, because then that way when they could, cause they're going to continue to make movies off this and profit off of this. So that way you can also continue to make money and profit off it too. And then two, which is really interesting perspective too, is that by having a good amount of people invested in it, if they begin to decline or not portray us such as in Disney, Disney movies, like the way we want to be, be portrayed like a Disney princess, black princess, mm-hmm. et cetera, when she was a frog, whatever. Then if you're upset about it, you pull your money mm-hmm. from it, right? That hurt. That hurts Disney. Like, listen, we're supporting y'all, but if y'all not adequately or sufficiently representing us, then we're gonna make sure you take a hit mm-hmm. as well, um, and, and you feel that financially. I was like, that's all. Oh, that's interesting, you know, to start thinking of things in that way, uh, where it'll make sure that you know our voices are always heard and our faces are always represented and our views are always out yeah. there. So uh, kind of like you were saying, and I, I think this will be, you know, this leads really good into um, our, our episode for next week is this movie mm-hmm. has demonstrated once again our economic power as a people. And like you said, in thinking about how we can use that economic power to voice our to have a greater voice in, you know, the way things are done, you know, in this nation. Um, and so it's just kind of like, yeah, we got to we have to use this economic power that we have beyond, um, you know, supporting um, entertainment. Um, let's think about how to use our economic power in ways that will, you know, create uh, some Wakanda's uh, Wakanda-esque communities across the United States. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this was a great conversation. I was very excited to have it. I felt like I got a lot on my system. I feel better. And I was holding yeah, it. I was like, yeah. oh, I got to wait. I don't want to post anything on Facebook anyway. I'm just going to wait till we talk about it on the podcast because yeah. I had a lot I wanted to say. Um, yeah. So it's just good conversation. I'm really happy. I saw the movie. Really probably going to see it again. Uh, oh, I, we going back tomorrow. <laughs> we are oh, yeah, going we, back tomorrow. Yeah, we going for a matinee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, we I'm going to wait maybe to, to, to dies down a little bit. But uh, I got to go catch, check that again. I got to watch that twice. Yeah. So I'm going to be right with you on that. Um, this time so, we're yeah. watching it in 3D. We did IMAX. Mm-hmm. First time we're gonna do 3D this time. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll do that because we did, you know, just regular movie theater the first time, so we may do something like IMAX or, or definitely 3D. That'll be fun. Yeah. But yeah, Wakanda forever. Wakanda Listeners. forever. <laughs> BHD forever. BHD forever. <laughs> Part of the movement. Um, yeah. But like always, we appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, you guys have been loyal to us from the jump so far. Great, great amount of downloads and reviews. So keep it up. Keep passing this along. Every week I'm getting somebody saying they pass this to a friend or a colleague, a family member, um, or they're in, actually a couple of people have passed it to people who disagree with them on some things. Um, so just keep doing it. Do uh, that. And yes. Yes, exactly. I think this can be, you know, maybe we can be a voice. Maybe they'll, sometimes people just don't like listening to certain people and they'll listen to others more than they'll listen to people who they already have. Yeah perspectives about um but continue just to interact with us bhd podcast at gmail.com email us follow us on every social media at bhd podcast and also we're um thinking about experimenting with some uh live streams as well mm-hmm. uh we mm-hmm. want to get into that a little bit where we can actually talk to you all and in real time about topics questions whatever is going on um so as we're figuring figuring that out 
email us on some ideas you may have on some things you want to do definitely thinking about Facebook Live so you want to follow us on Facebook for sure follow our page be it black and highly dangerous doc, uh, not dot com but black and highly dangerous on Facebook um, and then so that way you won't miss any of the streams but also looking into things like YouTube and Twitch as well so uh, as we're figuring that out give us feedback on where you like to see that go if you can and and we just want to continue to grow and interact with you all and thank you for for listening as always thank you thank you all right and as always continue to be the oppressor's worst fear if you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. <laughs>